0: How's everybody feeling today? Doing all right with the time change and everything? Got their everybody got their coffee and (laughs) I was still asleep in the first service. So I didn't like how my message came out first service, so hopefully I can do a better job, second service. One nice thing about doing two services, you get a mulligan. (laughs) Let's pray. So, Lord, thank you for your presence, your power, your faith, your goodness, the richness of who you are to each of us this morning. We just pray, Father, your blessing and your presence would be here among us. Lord, I ask you to anoint me and help me to deliver your word in a way that will be effective and life-changing. Thank you for everyone that's serving today, for the worship team, the job they did. Uh, and, Lord, we just uh, appreciate all the good things that you bring into our lives. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Let's look at 1 John uh, chapter 5 again. 1 John chapter 5. I want to talk to you again some more about um, real spiritual warfare. (laughs) The real thing. The real stuff. Not stuff that we make up and call spiritual warfare. (laughs) So we've kind of been looking at this for a couple of weeks. I want to look at it again. We'll look at this verse, which we've looked at before, and then we'll look at another verse, a couple verses in First John, that are um, some of the most difficult, I think, for people to understand and translate and deal with. Before I read, though, I, I do have to credit a friend of mine, uh, a very good friend of mine. I've known him for about 18 years now. We've walked together... Um, in the Lord. And that's Alan Alford. He's the pastor at Grace uh, Church in Cabot, Arkansas. And, uh, GCF Cabot, I think, is their website. It's C-A-B-O-T. You can go and listen to their messages. Uh, and they do a lot of great stuff. They, I think they post three or four things every Sunday. All of them are worth looking at and listening to. So I would encourage you to check out their website and listen to what they're doing. They have a powerful church there. And this really, what I'm going to share with you today, I'm going to do my best because it's really Pastor Allen's revelation. So I should just have him come and share it. We'll probably do that at some point. But I'm going to do my best with it today because I think that he's, he's right. And they certainly have the fruit of it in the way that they have worked with people and helped people get set free from all kinds of different problems and situations in their lives. And I'll be there again um, this coming May for the prophetic conference, so I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, let's get into the Word here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. It says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true. So to know Him who is true, if we are in Him who is true... Then to know Him who is truest, is to know ourselves. Accurately. Yes? In His Son Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. So eternal life is not just a great extension of life. It's not just life that you have once you get to heaven. Eternal life is this knowledge of the true God and who you are in the true God that is eternal and everlasting, right? But it's an experiential knowledge. The the word there for knowledge, he's given us an understanding that we may know him. The word for know there in the Greek is gnosis. And gnosis is a, a particular kind of knowledge that is experiential. So I know God because I've experienced God. I know who I am in God because I've experienced myself the reality of myself in God. So this isn't something that I get because I heard a message. This isn't something that I get because I read a book. This is something that I get because God's presence is with me, and it, and it I'm in him and he's in me, right? Yes? And so it's all about coming to this understanding and this knowledge of the reality of the abiding of of. God abiding in us through Christ and us abiding in God through Christ. And out of that awareness, out of that consciousness, then we begin to live. Yes? Now come back with me to chapter 3 and we'll look at these verses. These, these are all these tough verses to, to deal with. Verse 8. It says, He who sins is of the devil. I want you to hear that he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, this verse gives us all kinds of problems. (laughs) Especially because, I mean, because, I mean, all right, so the way, if you look at it, just let the Bible speak for itself, right? You just just interpret it. you got two different people, right? You've got Jim Bob and Billy Joe, right? And Jim Bob sins, so Jim Bob is of the devil, and Billy Joe is of God, so guess what that means? Billy Joe, it's not that he, just that he never sins. The Scripture says, the Scripture says, Billy Joe cannot sin. So you got Jim Bob who can't do anything right and is always sinning and you got Billy Joe who (laughs) never does anything wrong. Is that what that scripture is talking about? Now come on guys, you know from your experience that not everybody who sins is rotten and of the devil completely. They have some good qualities and things in their life, right? And you know darn well, everybody born of God doesn't walk around perfectly never sinning, much less can't sin. I mean, if I open it up and I said, how many of you in here are born of God? And most of you probably would raise your hand, right? And then if I said, how many of you can't sin? None of your hands would go up until I read the verse. And then if I read the verse, you'd be like, "Uh, what, what do I do with this? And so, and this, these verses have been used to preach all kinds of condemnation on people. And tell them, well, you, you you know, you're not doing right, you're not living right, therefore you can't be of God, right? And and it makes people worry about their salvation, makes them worry about uh, all kinds of stuff, right? Now here's why you really have a problem with this, because in 1 John, if, if I were to take you and back up, maybe I, maybe I should, uh, maybe if I can get the address right. um. Yeah, first John chapter 1 verse 9. Now, whenever you say the word we, you're including yourself. Right? So John's including himself, right? Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wait a minute, I thought the one born of God cannot sin. He just said that a couple chapters later. Look at verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word or his truth is not in us. So what gives? On the the one hand, he's saying, confess your sins. And if you say that you haven't sinned, you're a liar. But on the other hand, he's saying, if you're born of God, you cannot sin. Like, am I the only person that actually reads the Bible? Like, does that create a problem for you? I mean, it created a problem for me for years, right? Because I just couldn't understand it now here's the other thing we we have and, and and please hear this well let's go back let's go back and look in first john 3 let me read it again first john 3 verse 8 he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil and whoever has been born of god does not sin for his seed remains in him And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Seems to still read the same, doesn't it? (laughs) Listen to this. He who sins is of the devil. Anybody, you ever heard anybody say, the devil made me do it? Do you ever feel like the devil made you do it? I know I've had a lot of moments where I come to my senses and think, What the heck was that? That was a devil. (laughs) Made me do that. And we think, oh, no, 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 that's just an excuse. But see, here's the thing. Part of our problem is, is that we want to reduce sin down to behaviors. We want to reduce them down to behaviors. But you cannot do this in this passage. Because this passage has nothing to do with behavior. It has everything to do with the source of origin. Or where something originates. And literally, one thing's for sure, what the scriptures are saying here, nothing that you do originates with you. You may participate in it, but it doesn't originate from you. If you sin, it originates from the devil. That's what that word of means. It, it's, it finds its source of origin in the devil, because he's been a sinner from the beginning. And if you're born of God, you cannot sin. If your origin comes out of God, you cannot sin. So it's, it's, it's not as much about behavior as it is about what's the origin of the stuff. So now here's the really funny thing. If, if we make sin about behavior, then what we end up doing is, is we think that all the behaviors then just make us right. And all the wrong behaviors make us wrong. So all the, or wait, the wrong's over here. <laughs> so all, all of, all of, was it Billy Joe? All of Billy Joe's behaviors make him right. And all of Jim Bob's behaviors make him wrong. Because that's how we've reduced down sin. But really, the Bible doesn't speak of sin in that way. The Bible speaks of sin in, in its place of origin. Where does this originate out of? So here's the here's the funny thing. You can do all kinds of great things and not be originating with God when you do it. And it's still gonna it's gonna be sin. I'll show you how that works in a minute. Come on, you know this is true. All right, let me do it this way. First Corinthians chapter thirteen. We love to read this in weddings, right? It's the love chapter. Everybody, usually they have that at their, at their wedding oftentimes. One of the passages they want read, right? Because everybody's familiar with it. And what does Paul say? He says you can, you can sacrifice all you have and give it to the poor. That's a good behavior, isn't it? But he says if you have not love, it profits you nothing. He so says you can give your body to be burned. You can be a martyr. We celebrate the martyrs, right? The Bible celebrates the martyrs. Being a martyr is a really good thing, right? But if you have not love, it profits you Nothing. So he's talking about right behaviors out of an origin that doesn't come out of love has no profit. Therefore, it's not really righteousness. Do you see it? And so, what does it mean when it says it's of when it says it's of the devil? I remember when uh, you know, growing up, watching some cartoons, some of the Hanna Barbera cartoons or whatever, and you'd have a character. Uh, A a guy, a cat, you know, maybe it was Sylvester the cat or something And he's wanting to know whether he should eat Tweety Bird I guess that's not Hanna-Barbera, that's one of the others But you're tracking with me And all of a sudden this this devil pops on the shoulder and starts whispering in his ear And the angel pops on the shoulder and starts whispering in his ear And we can all kind of relate to that, right? Because we felt that kind of pull, Right? And see, we've made spiritual warfare about something that it's not. We've made it about everything out here. All this external stuff. The, 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 the government. We made it about, uh, our car broke down. We made it about more people aren't coming to church. We, we made it about, uh, I mean, we created spirits for everything. Slothful spirit, uh, drunken spirit, uh, spirit of fornication, uh, what? Lying spirit, I mean, right? And so they're all just out here, and 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 we externalize everything. And yet, really, you really can't find anywhere in Scripture where you get a list of spirits. And and Jesus doesn't really meditate on that much. I mean, the writers say he cast out an unclean spirit or he cast out an evil spirit. Doesn't tell you what kind it was. Even with the kid that had epilepsy, right? He cast out the spirit. It didn't say it was a spirit of epilepsy. You you, you see where I'm at? But but the Bible definitely explains to us how this this sort of spiritual warfare stuff happens because the the devil's armor, the devil's weaponry is words. When the serpent tempted Eve, the serpent said to Eve. When, When the devil comes to tempt Jesus, the devil says something to Jesus. When Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh, he tells you what it is. All this fuss and books being written about, was it an eye disease or was it a sickness or was it people chasing him around? He tells you exactly what it is. A messenger of Satan. (laughs) What does a messenger do? He delivers messages. He uses words, right? And so here's, here's the reality of it, that that is how the devil works. The devil wants to take you captive by imprinting certain beliefs and thoughts and ideas and feelings upon your mind, upon your heart, upon your soul, that you then begin to act upon because it feels true and it feels right and it feels real. The problem is, is that it leads to all kinds of chaos in your life. But now here's the thing, it's not really you. (laughs) Yeah, it's not you. It is a false, can I say it this way? It is a false energetic system that gets implanted in you through the power of suggestion by the devil, that you meditate upon until it takes on a life of its own. Then when it takes on a life of its own, it takes you captive to do its will. And most people that are in captivity can't get out of captivity on their own. So the one that's sinning is the false entity. (laughs) It's the false belief that you have about who you are. That seems and feels totally real to you. It's the way you experience yourself. But it has no bearing in reality or truth whatsoever. Because the truth is, is God's in you and you're in God. (laughs) And that's the real you. That's the you that's been born of God. So when you act out of the reality of what's true, you're acting out of the you that's born of God and it's impossible for you to sin. But when you're sinning, it's not you. (laughs) It's the offspring of a mental intercourse that you had with the powers of darkness. where ideas, ideologies, beliefs that are destructive get implanted in your mind and you receive it and you cultivate it and you nurture it until you give birth to Rosemary's baby. Some of you will get that reference. And Rosemary's baby comes along and takes you captive to do whatever. So that real spiritual warfare is done by rooting out that false identity. See, that, that's really what, what Paul talks about when, he, when he's talking about the flesh. Uh, let, let's back up a little bit. Here's the, here's the real issue. For Christianity. When you think about human nature. We have been trained for centuries. Centuries in the West. To believe that human nature. In its essence. Is corrupt. Incapable of doing good. And rejected by God. Therefore. Sin originates. With us. Now, that may work for St. Augustine, who developed the idea, and it may have worked for Martin Luther, who took the idea from St. Augustine, but it doesn't work for John, and it doesn't work for the Bible. And I'll explain that in a second. But here's really the issue. Human beings, I'm not even talking about Christians, I'm talking about human beings, are they in their essence rotten, or are they in their essence the image of God? Which is it? Because if in your essence you are the image of God, then you understand that anything that does not reflect the image of God is not really you. The Bible does not teach that we inherited a sin nature from Adam. You know how I know? Because Cain was the firstborn of Adam. And Cain's the bad guy in the story, in case you don't know. He's the one that murders his brother, Abel. And when God looks at Cain, see, we think it's all about the offering. I I did this message a couple weeks ago, but I I need I want to review it. We think they, they brought offerings, remember? Cain brought fruit from the ground, Abel brought what? Sheep, right? And we think God looked at the offering, and somehow the sheep was better than the ground. Right? Or the fruit of the ground. But if you read the story carefully, it says that God looked into Cain and his offering. He looked into Abel and his offering. And what God addressed, God never addresses the offering. God addresses Cain. Because he's not looking at the action, he's looking at the source of origin. And the source of origin is internal, never external. So sin is never about the action, it's always about the source of origin on the inside. So God is looking at where did this offering originate from, not was this offering acceptable. And because when he looked at the source of origin, when he looked to see the sun, he didn't find the sun, he found something else. And he tells Cain this, listen, so you'd say, well, see, he had a sin nature, but no, because God tells him this, God tells him, you're you're downcast. (laughs) In other words, your countenance has fallen. The, The glory and the excellence of who you should be as the firstborn son, I'm not seeing it because something has caused that to fall. And because that is fallen, that does not mean sin nature is in you, no, what it means is sin is lying at your door. See, if sin was in him, God never would have spoken to him like it was outside of him. sin is lying at your door its desire is for you but you as the image of God should be God to that desire and rule over it and the language there is interesting he says sin is lying at the door at a crouching beast remember God gave the image of God in Adam dominion over all the beasts that crawl on the ground so what God's trying to do is raise Cain's consciousness of who He is and say sin, something outside of you, something external to you that has a beastly devouring nature is lying at your door and you're vulnerable because you are not expressing who you are as the firstborn son. And because you're vulnerable to that, right? So what God's trying to say is your 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 countenance has been downcast. Let's lift you up Let's lift you up to the place where you remember who you are. That you remember you are a son of Adam, and Adam was made in the image of God, and his purpose was to have dominion over all the beasts of the field. Right? So if you can remember who you are as the image of God, you can rule over the beastly nature that's desiring to destroy you. So therefore, Abel remembers who he is because he's exercising his dominion. Because he brought the sheep that he had tamed. See, we're used to sheep being tamed, but this is the first tamer. Sheep are tame because they've been domesticated for millennia. But it wasn't so with Abel. So when God looks at the source of origin, he says, I see myself in this, I'll accept this. I don't see myself in this, there's a problem. We need to remind you who you are. Because if you don't remember who you are, sin is going to come, take over you, and express itself through you. And then convince you it was you that did it. To drive you even further away from the reality of who you are. you see it so how's this work in practical life so so um, is, is Jim Bob Jim Bob's our, our problem child right so. Jim Bob goes to piano lessons and first time three years old, four years old and dad has an errand to run so he leaves Jim Bob at the piano lesson takes off to go run his errand it's the first time dad's ever left Jim Bob alone Jim Bob realizes his dad's not there while he's playing the piano and he panics <laughs> and he and there's the devil in an opportune moment to say see you've been abandoned I've been abandoned why have I been abandoned because nobody loves you just injected a seed Now the question becomes whether or not Jim Bob will participate in that seed by choosing to incubate it in his thinking and feeling self. And let's just say that he does. It's highly emotional. He takes that in and he begins to think nobody loves me. Even my dad didn't love me. I don't have value. Then he goes to school and Who knows? Gets picked at on the playground and says, see, I can't do anything right. And all these ideas about who he is begins to create this sort of feedback loop inside of him about his thinking until pretty soon that's what he thinks is real. And because he thinks that's what's real, and because that's the way he experiences himself, guess what he starts doing? He starts acting out of weakness. He starts acting out of insecurity. He starts acting out of low self-esteem because his countenance has fallen. And all that stuff is taking him away from the truth of who he is in God and who God is. God hates me. God's mad at me. God can't. And then he goes to church, Right? <laughs> Then he goes to church, but watch what he does, because he's insecure, because he's uh, timid. he, And because he's got these abandonment issues, he wants everybody to like him, so he figures out in church how to get liked. Well, you obey authority. That's not hard for me, because I don't have the guts to stand up for myself anyway. You serve. That's not hard for me. I don't, I don't mind serving. I enjoy serving. You have a meek and mild temperament, right? You're, you're always the nice guy. And the problem, and so, so Jim Bob, is that, is that who we're talking about? <laughs> so, so Jim Bob is always nice and always sweet and always kind and always loving, but he's doing it out of a sense of lack and low self-esteem. He's not doing it from a place of strength. He's not really doing it from a place of conscious choice. He's doing it because he doesn't feel like he has a choice. But we're celebrating Him because look how godly He is. Look how conformed to the image of Christ He is. Look at how He serves. Look at how He follows and cooperates. But here's the problem. It's not originating with God. So even though He's coming to church every Sunday, even though He's serving, even though He's greeting everybody with a smile, even though He's tithing, all of it is sin because it's originating from the powers of darkness, not originating from God. 'Cause he who has been born he who sins is of the devil. So whatever is of the devil, the fruit of it is. And here's the thing here's here's Jim Bob's real problem. He's doing all that stuff and he feels totally dissatisfied. And he thinks, What's wrong? I'm doing everything they told me to do in church. I went through all the freedom prayer sessions they told me to go through. I went through the leadership classes, I turned in all my homework. I demonstrated I could pray for people. I demonstrated I had good manners, whatever. But what begins to build inside of him? A frustration and an anger and a self-resentment that he can't give expression to because and all the while we're, he's a good guy. Not realizing he's in bondage to the powers of darkness. Until finally one day something snaps for him. Or he gets disillusioned. Or just kind of dies a slow death inside. Make sense? Then there's Billy Joe. <laughs> now, Billy Joe's the one that's in God, right? So. Here's the issue. He's interested in this reality of oneness and union with God, and he's conscious of it. When the Bible says in 1 John 5.20, what I just read, it says the Son of God has come. It's not in the past tense. It's in what's called a past perfect tense, which means he has come and remains with us. So he's aware that Christ is intimately and intricately connected with him. And he doesn 't know everything that's the right thing to do he, he doesn 't know all the all the way that everything is supposed to work out. All he knows is is that he 's a son of God and he 's connected with God and so everything that he 's doing he 's trying his best to do it from that consciousness. So when this other stuff gets activated because he had a life too right so he had uh, been abandoned he had been picked on. He had all this kind of stuff. But what he does is when that stuff starts to operate, he's able to catch it without judging it and without internalizing it and then deal with it. See, here's the difference. One person acts out in whatever way of dysfunction that we've labeled as sin and then thinks God has rejected me because of it. Another lie. I'm a horrible person because of it. Another lie. So now the flesh and sin is just operating. See, it's devouring. See, sin lies at your door. Its desire is for you. Uh, it lies in wait. It lies to trap you. It's like, it's like, it's like a, 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 a beast looking for its prey and wants to, to devour you. So that's what sin wants to do. Sin wants to get in through ideas. Sin wants to get in through beliefs that will devour your essence, that will devour your dignity, that will devour your honor and ultimately devour your identity so that seemingly there's nothing of you that is the son that's left. There's only that junk that constantly activates through you. And as long as you internalize it and make it about you, you just keep moving further away from the truth. make sense so Paul does it this way if I had time I take you to Romans 7 but you can look it up most of you probably know this you have been read your Bible any at all how many remember Paul said this the thing I want to do I cannot do and the thing I hate I end up doing oh wretched man that I am right see the thought pattern but if you read in there carefully he says this he says I observe a principle that when I do the thing that I don't want to do, I see that it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me is doing the action. See, he has to completely dissociate and understand that is a separate entity. That is a child of the devil. It is operating through me, But it is not my identity, it is not who I am. It is the principle of sin operating through me. And that shift right there is enough for you to begin to stand in who you are. See, the moment you say, yeah, that happened, but that wasn't really me. And I'm not talking about some kind of hokey excuse that you use to violate people and do it without accountability. Let's just get that out of the way right now. <laughs> I'm talking to real people who want help. <laughs> I'm not talking to antisocial personality disorders, or I might be. but People that don't have a conscience and just want to get away with whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you really want to serve God. You're, you're like Paul. You really want to serve God, but you're taken captive by something. You have to be able to look at that something without judging yourself and be able to say, that's not me. That anger, that's not me. That frustration, that's not me. That uh, anxiety that is not me that panic that is not me that is not Who I am, And if you don't stand up for yourself, I mean if you didn't learn anything in life, if you don't stand up for yourself, nobody else will. I'm going to tell you right now in spiritual warfare, in this internal battle, you do not have to believe every voice that's in your head. And you do not have to believe your own PR. And you do not have to believe your feelings. And you do not have to believe what you're thinking. And at some point you've got to stand up for yourself. You just have to make a decision. Either what God said about me is true or God is a liar and I know more and better than he does and if that's where you want to station yourself go for it you will continually life will correct you (laughs) if you don't want to stand up life will correct you you will keep creating chaos you will keep creating death you'll keep creating fruit from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil where you withdraw yourself you withdraw from God you're ashamed and you hide or you can stand up for yourself and you can say, you know what? All that stuff is true of my past. It is true of my experience. It's true. It's, it's real in, in its own context, but it does not define me. It is not who I am. I am choosing to side with reality. I am choosing to side with truth. I am choosing to side with God. And so here I am, Lord, I'm offering myself to you, choosing to believe that your presence is always continually with me. Here I am, choosing to believe that I am a son and a daughter or a daughter of God, that I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus, regardless of how I feel, regardless of how I think, regardless of how I may have acted, regardless of what anybody says about me, I am standing on the truth of my own identity and my essence as a child of the living God. And then I realize that His power, His energy, His wisdom, His love, His joy, His peace, His glory is always abiding with me and always accessible. And I present myself to Him and I consciously in my mind and I consciously with my choice make contact with that union with God and then I go about my life. Because here's the reality, just like over here. Jimbo can do the right thing out of the wrong source and it's sin. Guess what? This is going to bend, bend your noodle, your mind. Billy Joe can do the wrong thing, but he's doing it with God and it's righteous. absolutely true how many of you as a kid ever hung out with your parents and messed something up did a project an art project a painting cleaning the house taking out the trash how many of you've had kids they didn't do it right here sweep the sweep the floor and they they It's messier than when they started, right? But they're doing it with you. So even though it's messed up, it's cultivating that relationship is still right. That's why we can't judge things. That's why, that's why when, when Samuel goes to anoint one of, uh, Jesse's boy is his king. He sees the firstborn and says, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And God corrects him and says, Look, God does not look on the outward behavior. God looks on the heart. He's not the one. Jesus tells the the, the Pharisees, whatever he says, Quit quit judging by what you see and make a righteous judgment. That's why Jesus could look at the woman caught in adultery and say, Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's why God could look at Jacob and bless Jacob and look at Esau and reject Esau. A lot of people in the church would reject Jacob today. It's too effeminate. Maybe you've never been to a men's conference. Any of y'all been in a Christian men's conference? When was the last time? Jacob was a mama's boy. Jacob cooked, remember? How did he lose the thing? Remember? Esau's out there hunting in the wild. Why do you think it was that his daddy liked him better? And mama liked Jacob. And you can blame Jacob all you want to for pretending to be Esau. It didn't originate with him. It originated with Rebecca, his mommy. See, whichever one you're hanging out with is the one you're going to be most like. Because God looks on the heart. We want to judge externals. We want to judge behaviors. And we don't realize that judging originating over here with the devil. And we're participating in spiritual warfare, damaging souls, because we don't understand the heart of God. Or you come, you say, Lord, here I am. I want your presence. And you begin to operate out of what you believe God is telling you. And even if you didn't get it totally right, you're still right. Whatever is born of God cannot sin. <laughs> so you think, okay, let me do it this way. I, I told this verse, it bears repeating. So when, when we left last year for sabbatical, we had a party, and um, someone, very generous person, gave each one of our boys a $100 bill. So we took that $100 bill. They're excited, they don't really even know what that means. But Josiah, the younger one, we take his $100 bill and we deposit it in the bank here in Pueblo. And we get down to Phoenix and he wants to buy something. And I tell him we don't have enough money for it. And he says, how much does it cost? And he figures it's within that $100 bracket. So he wants to go get his $100. And he is madder than he could be. I mean, he is yelling at me and he is mad at me because... He knows to get his $100 bill, he's got to go all the way back to Pueblo to get it out of the bank. Because his basic understanding is, and this is what we told him, we are going to put this in the bank so they will keep it for you and save it and they will keep it safe. So here goes his $100 bill. He doesn't understand the numerics of it. He can't do that kind of higher level thinking yet. He's not even capable. His brain's not even capable of that. So he thinks that they've got his $100 bill with his name on it at the bank, and we got to go all the way back to Pueblo, and if he gets a $100 bill, he's going to believe that's the very one that was given to him because I told him the bank was keeping it safe for him. And, there, and I'm looking at this child who is throwing a fit and I'm thinking there is absolutely no way I can explain to him that we can run to the ATM and pull it out of the bank. Like there's no way he can grasp that concept. So am I going to... Be mean to him because he can't grasp that concept? Am I going to stop relating to him because he can't grasp that concept? And here he is raging at me about it. Am I going to say, well, fine, if that's how you feel about me, then fine, get your own, get your own way back to Pueblo to get your hundred (laughs) dollars. Of course you know I'm not going to react that way because that's crazy. Well, you and I are dealing oftentimes with things that are way too big for us to even comprehend or understand what it is that God's doing or what it is that God wants done. And that's okay with Him. He just wants to have relationship with you. So you know what? My kid's throwing a fit and yelling at me, but you know what? He's with me. He's relating to me. And you know what? It brings me joy. I mean, I'm just laughing. Finally, when I figured out, I'm just laughing, right? Because I'm not taking it personally. And if I being evil, this is what Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be able to quote Scripture. You don't have to know everything. You just have to offer yourself to God. And when you catch yourself in this mess where you're doing stuff, quit looking at the behaviors and the outside things that are going on and start looking inside and asking yourself the question, what is the belief, what is the thought, what is the idea that I'm thinking that is leading to this behavior? And do it non-judgmentally. Because you're not dealing with you, you're dealing with Rosemary's baby. You're dealing with a child of the devil and you are not a child of the devil. It just It's a parasite inside you that lives off you. And you have to kill it. And the only way you can kill it is find out what's making it go. So here's the reality. I feel abandoned. I feel worthless. I feel like nobody loves me. I feel like I'm not wanted. I feel like blah, 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 blah. Right? The only place that really exists... It's here. In between your ears. It doesn't really exist out there. You will interpret events through that mess. So that whatever happens, you'll assign that meaning to it. Well, they're doing that because they don't like me. They're doing that because I'm no good. They're doing that because... Really, you don't know why they're doing that. Maybe it's because of them. (laughs) Did you ever think about that? Maybe it's because of their parasite. Maybe it's because of what the devil gave birth to in them. And maybe you just stay connected in it because you won't deal with where the real battle's happening and that's in your heart and in your mind. And so you can find those little things and then you can say, you know what? The, I, I helped create this. It takes two to tango. So therefore, I am the creator of this in a certain sense. Therefore, I am its God. I can have dominion over it. So you have to find the the belief, I'm worthless. You have to own it and say, I really believe I'm worthless. And you know what? When you can admit that to yourself, the pressure comes off. Listen to what I said. There is a difference between saying, I am worthless and or I believe I'm worthless. I have held the belief that I am worthless and I am God over the beliefs that I create. Therefore, the only life it has is the life that I'm giving it. The only existence it has, the only power it has is the existence and the power that I continue to feed it with and continue to give it. And then the best thing to do is just give it to the Lord. Just present it to the Lord. I mean, you can ask yourself, okay, I believe I'm worthless. How has this impacted my life? Well, it's caused me to draw back from opportunities. It's caused me to avoid situations that I needed to confront. It's caused me to not stand up for myself, which has led to resentment and internalized anger. You you look at it. You see it for what it is. And then you have a point of choice. Do I want to continue in this? Do I want to continue creating and manifesting this in my life? No. Okay, now what? Now I come back to the truth. So God's with me. I'm in him. So I present it and I give it to God. And like always God comes in with something that is true and affirming of you. Like I caught myself just a couple weeks ago going back over abandonment issues. Like dang, I thought I dealt with this already. Why am I feeling this? So instead of freaking out about it, and saying, oh, nothing I do ever works. It doesn't work for me. Here I am again, Lord. Why is everybody not treating me right? Instead of doing that, just say, I'm feeling, I have this feeling of abandonment. And I give it to the Lord, and I hear the Lord say, how could I have ever abandoned you you're my son. In fact, abandonment is an impossibility for you. And when I think about it, I'm his son. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And abandonment is an impossibility for me. What happens to the feeling of abandonment? Totally gone. And if the feeling of abandonment's not there, how can I act on it? So therefore, I'm not, see, uh, uh, kind of the try harder method that we get is, I still got all this junk inside me, but I'm going to try really hard not to act like an abandoned fool. So, okay, I'm not going to act like an abandoned fool, but I feel like an abandoned fool. But see, if I no longer think of myself and I no longer feel like an abandoned fool, why would I want to act like one? simple right if you can start changing just one belief at a time one emotion at a time slowly making progress I promise you your outward life will match your inward life some of you people treat you lousy because they just unconsciously pick up on the vibe that you treat yourself lousy and so they figure they need to join in the fun and they walk away from you and think why do I why that guy just brings that out of me why does that just come out of me like that? I don't treat anybody else like that, but I treat him like that. because. But eventually you start, if you, treat, if you think about yourself different, you carry yourself different. If you think about yourself different, you speak differently. And the way you carry yourself and the way you speak sends a message to people. If you come in and all, you're, being, you're inviting somebody to walk all over you. And they'll do it and feel bad about it. So I don't know why I do it with that guy, he just brings it out in me. Wow. But if you're thinking and feeling differently, your shoulders are back, your head's up, you're looking somebody in the eye, you kind of have in your mind that you're a force to be reckoned with, that you're nobody's puppet or slave, you're gonna command respect and they're gonna treat you respectfully. And if they don't, you you learn how to teach them how to treat you. It's okay to tell somebody, you cannot talk to me like that. Now, I understand there's a problem. I understand there's something we need to work on. But I am not going to submit myself to this. So if we can talk about it like adults, then we can work on it. If not, I don't know what you're going to do, but I am not addressing it. And then just let the chips fall where they may. And then you walk away and the devil they go, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, you shouldn't have talked like that. Oh, you're really going to get in hell. Oh, boy, they're really going to be upset with you. Live inside that tension for a while. Just live with it for a while. And see what happens. All right. I don't know, that had to be for somebody. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? I mean, this is real spiritual warfare. This is the real stuff. And it's different than you might think, and maybe it's a little more work than you might think, but it's a lot more transformative than you might think. Let's stand up. It's good for you to just daily kind of affirm who you are. Remind yourself who you are. Life does a really good job of presenting the illusion to you of who you think you are. You have to stand up for yourself and start affirming who you are even if nobody else agrees with you. (laughs) Even if nobody else in the world agrees with you, you have to stand up for yourself and start affirming who you are. Amen? All right. Lord, thank you for uh, your people. Lord, thank you for a download of Revelation from heaven. Thank you for an impartation of grace and power and of your presence to quicken us to the reality of the truth of who we are and the truth of who you are in us so that we can walk in grace and faith and peace and power and manifest the fruit and the glory and the reality of your kingdom in our lives. Lord, help us to be compassionate and gracious and patient with ourselves and compassionate gracious and patient with one another and we give you thanks and praise for it in jesus name and if you can believe that just say amen Amen. god bless you have a great day